When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, episode number 394. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcutt, the Director of SEO for Advanced Local. Today, we have a special episode for you. We are interviewing Barry Schwartz, founder and editor of Search Engine Roundtable, CEO of Rusty Brick, and the news editor of Search Engine Land. Welcome, Barry. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You forgot yes. to add, Ross, that he's also our go-to uh, site when we prepare for these shows to find out everything that's going on in search. It's true. <laughs> I, I actually thanked him at the beginning before he got on, but I should yeah. do it publicly. Thank you so much for all your hard work, man, because we, we honestly, uh, between your your site and Search Engine Land, which also you're a part of too, we uh, get a lot of our content and, and we really appreciate how up-to-date it is. Yeah, just, oh, my we, pleasure. We don't rip you off. We use you as a jumping board for our conversations. Yes. As long as you don't just copy and paste, then you know, I'm just yeah. joking. You can pop, copy and paste in a podcast. But. We it's always get from you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's some great people out there and great writers and definitely you're one of them. And uh, we really love uh, talking about Roger Monty's stuff. And I mean, there's just some amazing people in the industry just that just yeah. keep cranking them out. So. Um, so, I, you know, I want to start off with some fun questions, because frankly, I've always wanted to ask these questions. And I was thinking about it. And I'm like, why did I ever get never get to? It's because whenever I saw you at any conference, we were usually walking past each other, we kind of nod, say hi. And, and then when there was actually kind of that time to chat, I guess, you weren't often at a lot of the, the, the parties and stuff. So I didn't get a chance to really find out more. Right, so, that's true. I was preparing for, you know, social distancing and the whole coronavirus. Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Perfect. You're prescient, of course. Um, so first, how did you get into this business? Um, so the writing about SEO business? Yeah. It's the hobby. Um, I just, okay. uh, I'm a client or two, like, were asking me, like, you know, back in the UltaVista days and so forth, like, how does this work? How, you know, how do these different sites rank? How do I get my site to rank? So I just started, you know, searching for things. I found some online, you know, forums back in the old days, like the old Webmaster World, I guess it's still around, um, Jim's World and these old forums. And I'm like, wow, this is fascinating. I just want to like, you know, keep, you know, watching the industry grow and so forth. So 
Um, I basically started a blog just to keep notes. Back then it was basically a place for me to keep my notes. I don't think anybody else would read it on what's changing in the space, what's new, what the community is talking about. And it kind of just like took on and people started reading it. That's awesome. And, and at that time, well, I guess what, what was the name of the website then? Was it Search Engine Roundtable? Yes, Search Engine Roundtable. Oh, really? So you, you mm -hmm. made that up name that name up from the beginning? Yeah, in 2003, um, I called the Search Engine Roundtable. It was actually on a movable type install. That was like the CMS that was before WordPress. Uh, eventually, I just converted into a custom-built CMS that I built my, uh, my company built myself. Um, but yeah, it was always called Search Engine Roundtable. So what, 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 what made you come up with that name? So the concept was basically getting a round table view of what's going on in the community uh, by looking at what people are writing about in the community through the forums. So like, you know, you have a lot of people discussing different topics in SEO forums back in the day, Google updates, uh, changes, mm -hmm. UI changes and so forth. And I would just basically uh, quote a lot of people saying, this is what this person thinks about this change, this is what that person thinks about this change. And kind of getting this round table view of the different perspectives around search changes. Now there's a lot, obviously, social media discussions, so that's incorporated because there was no Twitter back then. Uh, but it's basically just trying to give a roundtable of view on what's changing in the search community. I can't even imagine. How did we survive without Twitter? I know, right? <laughs> if it goes down, I'm not sure what to do. <laughs> um, so what did you do before you got into SEO? Like, what were you doing that got you doing this research? So I have a company called Rusty Brick. Uh, we build, uh, I guess in the early days, we built a lot of different uh, uh, websites, but more focused on building software for companies. So right now we just build anything that's custom software development for these companies. So it could be, uh, you know, workflow management systems, accounting software, whatever it might be. Wow. Uh, and we build a lot of custom web and mobile applications for third-party companies. But in the early days, it was also, it wasn't really, really software around that. There was more, um, building out, um, building out, um, like, you know, high-end websites for these companies. So some ask, like, you know, how do I get traffic from search? So that kind of, kind of spurred it. We don't offer SEO services. We just, so I just write about it. I don't really offer that as a, as a, people don't pay me for that. Hmm. So yourself, then you are a programmer yourself? No, I'm not. So we have like oh. a team of about 20 developers in house in our company. Um, like wow. the only non- I'm the only one that doesn't actually produce anything. If that makes Interesting. sense. Interesting. So usually <laughs> you see when this person starts a company, it's they're the ones that are doing all the work. They're the person who, you know, does it oh, all. So. Right. So my brother and I, I have a twin brother, Ronnie, um, oh. who he does, he's all, all technical, um, more on the business side. So we huh. split the business that way in terms of he makes, he does all the technical stuff and leads the technical teams. I do all the business stuff. Is he an identical twin? No. Oh. I was wild. just going to ask you guys where your name tags very prominently at the search conferences. That's <laughs> why we didn't get any discussions. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. It's kind of interesting because I, I, when I, the last time I was at a conference was a while ago, but when I'm going to a, a session, let's say something interests me, if I see Barry in the front row sitting down ready to cover it, I know I picked a good session. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't covered the sessions in a long time. Live blogging is because all the live tweeting now. It's kind of like pointless. So. And now everything's on. Uh, everything with COVID is online now, so it's all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm like you said, I haven't been to a conference in years either. So. <laughs> yeah, we're all talking in the past to us. That's yesterday. Yeah. Well, you better come to the next XMX event when it's in person, which probably won't be till 2022, if we yeah, make it that I'd, long. 
I want to. Yeah, those are great. They're always fun. Yeah. Um, brilliant, brilliant speakers. Always learn a lot. Um, so how do you, I, I, I just, I, I'm honestly in awe. I've never been the kind of person that can do a grind. I mean, I've got my grind going to work and all that stuff, but you're every day writing content, it seems. How do you keep it up? Like, do you take off time? <laughs> no, I, um, no I, I do take off time when I, my religion makes me. So we have our different, I'm a Jewish, observant Jewish person. So I take off on Saturdays for Shabbat and any Jewish holidays that require me to be offline, I'm offline. And I'm completely offline, meaning I can't turn on a computer. I can't check my phone. can't even turn on a light or turn off a light. They have to just stay where they are. So although I, you can have them on schedules, that's another whole topic. So I do take off. Um, but, you know, when I'm able to be online outside of religious purposes, um, I am online. So Sundays, you know, you know, as much as possible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just I, I enjoy working. I enjoy the SEO coverage type of side of things. So I enjoy that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. um and i have a routine so i i just i mess this a lot these days like how do i write so much and there's a process for it basically you know i have my routine where i do the research and then i do the writing and an average blog post takes me probably less than 10 minutes to write wow. and publish wow that's a good lead into your next question ross <laughs> yeah well yeah what does your average weekday look like I noticed you were doing your show before the, uh, your, your show the other day, your podcast or view, video. I don't know how they call it. Sorry. Video cast, <laughs> search cast. Um, you were vlog. doing it before the light came up. You, you, sun was eating up. So what time are you starting? So I usually start, um, around five 30. Um, now that I don't drive to work, I'm working from home. Uh, I start a little bit later, usually like five 50. Um, and then, um, you know, the morning routine emails, you know, that type of stuff. Um, I then do, you know, I go through the RSS feeds. I go through all this different social media and forum stuff that I'm tracking, um, at least on the SEO side. And then I start probably publishing around 7 a.m. And I'm usually done publishing by 8 a.m. Um, and then the rest of the day is usually uh, mostly rusty brick work stuff. And then a mix of some SEO stuff in between. <laughs> so I usually start around uh you know, 5.30, 5.50 or so. Um, then I'm, I'm on my computer, my, you know, my computer from around 6 a.m. till, um, I don't know, 9, 8, 9 p.m. or so. Holy. You know, the, wow. the Google and Apple gives you these like weekly uh, snapshots of how much on a daily basis you're on your computer. And it's generally well over 10 hours, especially with being offline for 25 hours a week. Yeah, that's amazing. I... I bow down. I don't know how you do that. I could not, I, I like what I do, but I'm so much more about getting the hell off it when I possibly, as soon as I possibly can. <laughs> so that's, that's amazing. Um, wow. Okay. So uh, I know that John's posted a question here. So I want you to fire away with that. Yeah. So you can, you obviously have a ton on your plate um, every single day. Um, where do you get your stories? I mean, you're usually the first to break stuff a lot of times. Um, are you are you finding people commenting on Twitter and Facebook, um, people reaching out to you directly? Um, you know, I know you have the contacts at the engines. Do they ever come to you directly to tell you, hey, we need some to get the word out about this? Um, yeah, I mean, the answer is yes to all that. Um, so um, Google does reach out with certain big announcements. Um, that probably makes up, I don't know, 1% of my stories in terms of Google reaching out or search engines reaching out. Um, mm-hmm. 
the other stuff is do people do definitely reach out to me either on Twitter, like, hey, Rusty Brick, have you seen this? Is it new? Blah, blah, blah. Um, that type of stuff. Or I proactively look. I mean, I look in the forums every day. I look at different, I follow a bunch of people. Um, and a lot of things also, I just, you know, like I can find myself as well, especially around the algorithm updates and stuff like that. I kind of try to track to see you know, different changes um, by different levels of chatter across the community on social media, as well as in the forums, and then checking the various tools that have come out afterwards um, to see any, you know, changes and fluctuations in the search results. Uh, but I do have that, that process of like, you know, scanning through the forum thread, seeing what's new and so forth. Um, and yeah, I do try to like break whatever I can, you know, Google's testing this, um, this seems to be rolling out, Google hasn't confirmed anything and then pushing Google to confirm something and then Google will confirm something and give me the confirmation um, and so forth. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of different methods I use, um, but it's basically, you know, I just try to do, do my best with that in terms of finding new stuff. Nice. So what do you use to consult? Do you, do you just do all this manually or have you found a tool that you like that helps you consolidate all of these feeds and, and allow you to sift through it? Um, so for RSS feeds, I use Feedly. I used to use Google Reader actually back in the day. They yeah, obviously killed that off. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I was uh, Google Reader gave me like a package once saying I was their number one uh, user in terms of consumption of daily red feeds or something like that. Oh my God. Uh, that, which was pretty crazy. That's um, impressive. I'm sure I'm probably, I have to ask, I should probably reach out to Feedly and ask them who's like the number one consumer of feeds. Um, so that I do um, with Feedly. I also use TweetDeck for Twitter. Um, I have tons of different bookmarks that I use actually. Um, I have my own, I guess, content pub budgeting system where I keep track of what I'm gonna write you know, about, um, what I haven't written about. I built something myself custom for it. Um, so it's just a bunch of different tools um, I use like a bookmark. So if I'm traveling, if I'm driving or, you know, out and about on my phone, I want to make sure I don't forget about something. I have a bookmarklet solution that goes into my system that I say, oh, I need to cover this and so forth. Um, so yeah, there's a bunch of different tools that I use wow. to kind of keep track of what, you know, is out there. And I make sure I try not to miss stuff. I, I am human. I do miss things. Um, so, but I do try to not miss stuff if I can. So content budgeting nice. system. So the, the question everyone has is now, when are you going to start uh, turn that into a, a, a SAS. <laughs> so I try. There's tons of systems out there that that do it. I launched it. I called it Rusty Budget. It oh, was okay. on TechCrunch and all these different solutions, but it's really designed for like bloggers. Um, and it didn't really get that much attention because there was really a lot of co co uh, competition out there. Uh, um, so, huh. yeah. I'm surprised. Yeah, I guess. We did build uh, a lot. We've actually built a, quite a few SAS programs. In fact, um, yeah, I mean, some very successful ones also. So we don't just build um, for clients. We also build for, um, you know, for consumers, direct to the consumer. What, you know, so do you actually have some of your own? So you do have ones that people know, unlike, you know, so Rusty Budgets one. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell the listeners about? They're very niche products, uh, projects. So um, yeah, I mean, we built a bunch of like, it's one in the Jewish space, some like uh, software for, synagogues to run their businesses and different types of solutions for that. We've built a bunch of different things. Some have been very successful. Oh, excellent. That's great, man. Well, all right. Well, let's, uh, I, I could probably talk to you forever about this stuff because business is fascinating to me and all that, but let's jump into the world of SEO. Um, passages ranking. So I know this is close to John's heart. 
Um, but uh, let's start <laughs> off with, because, you know, he's in the news world. It's huge stuff to him. But let's start off with a simple question. I know you you recount this daily. So what is Passages Ranking or what will it be? Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, so Google announced it like a week and a half ago at the search on event. It's basically something Google's going to be launching by the end of the year. They're calling it passage indexing for some reason. I do not know why they're calling it passage indexing. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is great. So I spoke to Google. You're like, now you're indexing passages now. They're like, well, not exactly. We're just indexing hasn't changed. It's more of a ranking thing. I'm like, what do you mean? And it's like, well, indexing has not changed at all. We're not indexing individual passages. We're just changing how we actually rank. We're able to zoom in or zone into a specific passage on the page. So basically what Google's doing is um, they're able to kind of surface a uh, content in, uh, for ranking in a different way. So instead of a, let's say you have a really long page on um, how SEO works, maybe there's a really long page on this podcast and um, and it ranks well very well, but you also have sections on that page about, you know, passive indexing and BERT and um, knowledge panels and featured snippets, but it's a really, really long page. So that page might rank for how does SEO work or whatever the keywords you want, but it might also rank for how to feature snippets work. How does passive indexing work? How does, uh, um, you know, knowledge panels work? Because Google's now going to be able to zoom in to a section of that page, a passage or two on that page and let those passages now surface to the top of the search results um, and so forth. So it should be interesting to see when this rolls out. Google said it's gonna be a 7% impact on uh, the search results. So it should shuffle things up um, pretty significantly more than Penguin did, less than Panda did when it first launched. Um, but it will be interesting to see. I'm curious to see if it's gonna be as big of an impact like as BERT did, as BERT versus, I don't know how much SEOs are necessarily gonna notice this change, uh, but it should be very, very interesting. Okay. Well, I've got a number of questions I've written down, but I'll let John ask because I know he's burning to talk about this. So. <laughs> That's all right. Your questions were good too. <laughs> so I guess one of the things that I'm curious about is Google says very specifically that we don't have to SEO for passages. Surprise. They say we don't have to SEO for everything, but um, I've been researching it as it comes into the media space and, you know, how might it impact us from a search perspective when it comes to, you know, the, the different types of stories we write. Um, and I've found some very specific things, you know, that I think we could probably do once it launches and once we have the chance to look at it and see how it might work um, already in my mind. And it hasn't even launched yet. What are some of the things that that First of all, do you agree with Google that we don't have to SEO for passages or are there things that have come to you or people have talked to you about already that we could do to potentially improve our performance, you know, via passages? So it, it hasn't launched. So I, nobody really knows yet. We can just make assumptions. And Google has told us, like you said before, you can't optimize for this. You can't optimize for that, uh, specifically around core updates. And then later they said, all right, maybe you can't optimize for it, but here are some tips after us harassing them on what could we do if we get hit by a, a core update and they finally did that. They did the same thing for Panda and so forth. So usually they say no, nothing to do, but then there's something to do. But question is with BERT, what could you do with uh, rank brain and rank, rank brain and stuff like that? So <laughs> there's lots of things that technically you really can't directly optimize for. It's not like you're optimizing for BERT. It's not like you're optimizing for um, you're not going to be really optimizing for passage indexing. You might go ahead and say, all right, this is the content that passage indexing it likes. 
um, this is how I have to kind of structure that content. And maybe that will help my content rank better because of this new change that Google made. So it's not really optimizing for it, I guess, but it's optimizing with it, I guess. Um, but I would think, you know, maybe structuring your pages in a, in, in a more structured fashion, the headers maybe matter more, how much content you have within those header sections and how you structure those paragraphs. These are all assumptions. We're gonna have to obviously test this stuff when it goes live and see what matters. So I assume once this goes live, we'll quickly be able to see that 7% change, what pages went up, what pages went down, and what, the, what are the differences in terms of what, what went higher, what went lower. Right, and, and I'm doing this work not even knowing if patches, passages will even apply to the news space, right? You're, you're absolutely correct, we don't know. But I do think that there are things we can start thinking about now that could potentially help us when it does launch by the end of the year. Um, yeah, you mentioned I, mean, I hope so. I mean, it does make sense. I mean, it, there must be a way to like restructure your content to kind of take advantage of this. I'm not sure yeah. about news content per se, um, but well, I, I have a very specific theory about news content that I'd love to talk to you about, but I'm not going to do it in public. Because, <laughs> but if you ever want to have a conversation, I, I have a pretty strong case for how it could impact news content. Okay. Yeah. Um, second question before you start yours, Ross, is um, Don Anderson wrote a great article about um, how BERT might be connected to passages and you just talked about um, BERT being part of that whole conversation. Can you kind of talk about what Don was going after there? So she, Did, I, I, yes, I, I was very, very close with her in terms of actually publishing that article over the course, she was writing it for the course of, you know, I think uh, two weeks or so. And it's a behemoth. It's like, I don't know, if you print it as a PDF, it's like 55 pages. Oh, like, it's oh, an amazing so article. It's a great <laughs> so job. She did Everybody go article. download it at Search Engine Land and print it and read it over the weekend. It's great, it's great. I, um, I highly recommend it. Um, so it really kind of goes through an academic approach about what she could find from the research papers and the academic papers around passage indexing or passage ranking. Um, and any relations to that with BERT and so forth. Um, it's hard to like pull out and say, this is what Google's doing with it exactly. Cause a lot of research papers versus what's actually implemented doesn't actually, you know, that's not always the case. And sometimes the wording, I don't know if Google's, it's, it's hard to say, for example, but it's, it's super interesting to see these research papers and say, all right, so maybe this is how it's working. This is what the engineers and the PhDs behind all these different algorithms are. This is how they're thinking. Um, so it's definitely worth a read. Um, it's kind of hard to summarize because it's just really <laughs> academic. Um, but it's definitely, basically the concept is, um, is BERT helping Google figure out um, and rank the, the stuff, this this passage interesting ranking? Is, 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 is BERT helping with that? And kind of showing evidence in the research paper saying, yes, it, it is. Um, and actually, um, uh, Dawn's going to be writing a number of articles around BERT um, and telling us where in search they're used um, and so forth, so that we could get a better understanding of how BERT and machine and those types of machine and AI algorithms um, and they are actually used in search, so that we can get a better understanding of, you know, maybe how how we should think about writing content, how we should think about um, getting links and so forth. Um, it's kind of like giving you a deeper understanding of how the research papers work and the, and the academics behind um, creating search engines. The, yeah. the, the, the article is amazing. It's very detailed. One of the things that I pulled out of it, that's kind of a weird thing because I'm weird, is BERT was not a term 
developed by Google. BERT is actually a term used in the natural language processing industry as a whole as a different as a specific type of um would you call it an algorithm barry yeah um, i mean it's it's, it's, an, it's a term that was used in the information ir in the information retrieval community hear that that's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto every day thousands of hackers online are doing the same that's why arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at getarculus.com. I think Microsoft implemented BERT before Google even um, and for Bing search. So, hmm, and now there's different variations of BERT. I mean, yeah, if you ever hear Dawn speak at any conference, she goes through it all of Roberta, BERT Mini, BERT Bit Large, you know, there's all these different variations of it. And now there's things well above BERT's abilities um, that Microsoft's using, and I think Google's gonna be using soon as well, to terms, uh, in terms of trying to understand content um, and what those meanings of content are. <laughs> I just yeah. noticed that her, the business she works at is called Birdie. So that is interesting. <laughs> I asked her about that. I, I, I did this <laughs> vlog series where I interview different personalities in the search community. Well, God, God willing, hopefully I'll be able, able to uh, interview guys on it. Yeah. Um, and basically I asked her about that and she's like, well, my dog's named Bert. I named my company <laughs> Bertley for my dog or something like that. And it was well before the Bert, uh, Bert even came out. That's so awesome. it just worked out and now she's like the Bert expert. So that's, that's amazing. Good for her. And, and she picked a good niche to jump into. We always, I, I always, uh, it's been a while since I've done a lot of writing, but I'm still always trying to find a spot that it can be my niche. But she's picked a really good one. That's awesome. And you got to really be got some brains for that stuff. <laughs> I picked a niche many years ago. My niche was going to be um, the what, what was the that Google did with the oh shit. Sorry, I can't say that word, but I did anyway. Uh, this person with, with uh, oh man, I'm having a brain brain dump. Or, um, authors, authorship. 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 I love uh, authorship. Yeah. Yes. Me too. That yeah. was the coolest thing. Oh. The biggest yeah. complaint about authorship was for SEO specifically is that any time they did a search about SEO stuff, they would see my photo come up in the search results. Because <laughs> I literally, between search engine roundtable and search engine land, the chances of seeing a story about you know anything SEO related would be pretty high. So you'd see nice. Nice. I, I think John, genius. I blame John Mueller for removing it because he's just sick of seeing my face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll bring that up with him when he, we have him on the show next. Some point at some point, that's funny. Um, so. I'm not sure if I'm beating this into the ground a bit, I have to admit, but for passages ranking, I'm, I'm really curious what your thoughts are. Like, uh, I, I, we were talking the other week, uh, last week, actually, last show, uh, we were speculating that it might be another step towards a decent use case for single page, long form websites. I kind of hate them. I hate trying to optimize them and such, but this could actually, well, well, I don't know, what, do you, what's, what are your thoughts on that? Does that seem to jive? What, what what's the problem? I'm sorry, I missed the. First oh yeah, part. no problem. So passages could be um, a a great way to well, people with single, long form like really websites. large website web pages. You're saying yeah, exactly. A lot They've of got a single page website. It's really long, um, uh, very difficult to optimize for. But this could actually be a help to them. Uh, Obviously, um, we're speculating, but. Yeah, it could be. Um, I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm like a lot of SEOs have been going towards the trend of creating um, these like 
like large, like information types of websites. If you're looking at kind of like a pyramid structure where you have not, you know, you have like a section on, let's say you're a big content site and you have a section about, I don't know, um, marketing. And then you have a section in marketing about SEO. And then you have a section, uh, another one about PPC and email ads and stuff like that. Each of those sections are like, you know, hubs of information that link to deeper information. And a lot of the information that you would read on the deeper pages on the lower level pages would actually be on the higher level pages. So, um, but the, so I, I guess this is a way of, I think Google really wanted to surface the, maybe I'm wrong, but really surface the uh, more abstract, the more, um, you know, summarized version from the higher level page of what the deeper level page might say. And maybe this is ways, Google's way of like kind of zooming in on that section and kind of ranking it. And like, and maybe even using that, um, what's that feature is where you actually click from a featured snippet and it kind of anchors you down to the target and highlights it. So I assume they will use the same type of technology that they use on feature snippets for the anchoring feature on these passive indexing features, but that we will sense. see. Yeah. But I think that's, I mean, a lot of content you see these days is not, it's just the, the old SEO strategy, as you know, is create as many uh, pages as possible, targeting as many mm-hmm. keyword variations as possible. Yeah. And then Panda came out and core updates and so forth. And you see most SEOs now like say, all right, we're going to remove a lot of these longer, uh, deeper pages and make high, and make higher level, more bulky pages. And I think Google maybe have felt that maybe some of that, that content or those keywords were getting lost because they weren't able to find that content on these larger pages. Hmm. Very good point. Okay. I could be wrong. I don't yeah, know. Well, of course, at this point we're, we're all speculating, but yeah, I mean, I wonder what the potential, what could be the potential disruption to SEO? I mean, obviously there's going to be a lot of, there's already people muttering about this being an, yet another way to keep people in Google and not going to the web page. Uh, what have you heard about in that, in that sort of span of things? Yeah, I've heard a lot of concern from the SEO community around, yeah, more zero clicks. Nobody's going to go to my website. They're just going to get, because the feed, the snippet they showed really kind of highlighted the answer. It's like a feature snippet and less mm-hmm. of a reason for people to click over. It's the trend. I mean, that's the trend people were going. And it's funny when, because when Google launched feature snippets, SEOs were complaining drastically about this type of thing. And like, why are people, people aren't going to click on my site. People aren't going. But if you speak to any SEO these days, I think every single SEO would rather have that feature snippet rank a result versus not have it. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, but I guess the question is, you know, what will actually happen? What will actually look at, you know, when feature snippets first launched, it looks, it looks different than it, now than it did when it first launched. So Google will tweak these things and hopefully they'll try to make the whole, everybody happy from the searcher to the uh, web, or the webmaster and SEO and so forth. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, awesome. let's jump into the uh, request indexing feature here. And I know John's got a new note here, so. <laughs> so, so Google, it was either today or yesterday, I read on one of your sites that Google said that the request indexing feature that they're having issues with that's not currently working. They said that's not related to the indexing issues they've had over the past few months. Do you have any, any idea what's going on with the request indexing feature? I assumed it had to do with the indexing issues. Yeah, you're right. I Google did said it's not. Um, yeah. I don't have any idea. In a hangout this morning, which I just listened to uh, before this um, interview, um, I heard John Mueller talk about that a little bit more. Um, and I don't know. He kind of like implied that this is going to be a long process to fix mm-hmm. or that they, they could basically, he's like, I, we could basically just turn it on and have all the URLs go to some queue and not process it. Uh, and you wouldn't complain. 
uh, <laughs> he was basically saying, we'll just do that, <laughs> but we don't want to turn it on and confuse you guys and you know, lie to you guys. So we're going to go ahead and fix it. And once we fix it, then we're going to turn it back on. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It should be interesting. I, I, I do. I don't know. For some reason, I still think it has to do with those indexing bugs. I could, I'm, they said no, but I kind of think it's related to the indexing bugs on some uh -huh. level. So it's I'm not just you that also, or... not just us that uh, thinks that. So, <laughs> right. I mean, I don't think it's directly related to indexing bugs. I think it's related to whatever caused the indexing bugs. Yeah. So yeah. he might be saying it's not the indexing bugs, but what caused those indexing bugs to happen? And maybe it's something about the indexing queue is just too over, you know, it's too much. So they had to find a way to reduce what was being put to the index. And they said, all right, we're just going to turn off this tool because a lot of people submit stuff and it kind of clogs up the whole queue. Um, let's just do normal indexing and not worry about people just submitting and they can actually adjust crawling of the web, you know, through their right. tools. So and, and that's a way to fix it as well. Interesting. And it's, it's interesting to me that when they first announced they were shutting that tool down temporarily, they said it was while they were working on infrastructure changes. Infrastructure changes are not simple, small little fixes. That, that's an indicator to me that there's a huge issue behind this. And, and to me, that ties directly into those indexing problems they've been having. Yeah. Okay, well, let's uh, take a quick break. When we come back, uh, oh, John's added some new stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let webmasterradio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. Webmasterradio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO for Advanced Local, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. We're joined by Barry Schwartz, founder and editor of Search Engine Roundtable. So, Johnny, cookie-less worlds. Yeah, so, so a lot of stuff's been going on this year. 2020's been crazy, but and we, a lot of us tend to forget that in January, 
of this year, Google um, talked about how that Chrome browser is going to go cookie-less within two years. So like 2022, cookies are going to be pretty much a thing. There's a lot of talk in the programmatic space, um, other types of search marketing um, that rely more on cookies than SEO does. Uh, the, the phrase cookie-less, the cook, uh, cookie-less world is very, very common. I don't hear many SEOs talking about the impact and I'm not sure what the impact would be for us, but do you have any thoughts on how SEO or organic search in general might change when cookies go away? But preempt this with just one thing, which is what to our one-on-one listeners, we've already probably just turned them off anyway with a lot of talk we've had, but what do we mean by cookie-less world? Like cookie-less. So what, what's going to happen is the browsers themselves are going to stop working with cookies. So Chrome browser would be, you know, the support for third-party cookies. I'll, I will specify it's third-party cookies um, in a Chrome browser would be phased out within a couple of years, which would put it in gone by 2022. And what are so cookies? What, what cookies do, it primarily lets advertisers um, track things that happen on, on websites, it lets website owners track things that happens on their sites. They're, they they don't have specifically identifiable information. So they can't say, hey, John Carcutt just read my webpage. But they can tell you that a guy from Ohio who's done this, this, and this, and has visited these sites, just visited your webpage, right? And for advertisers, that's great, great information. They can target people better. Um, lots of things like that, that are tied to advertising. Okay. But I always kind of want to always kind of wonder that's going to change the way the web works a lot because if advertising is much harder to do because you don't have cookies, how much more important does it make SEO? Will we have to change anything around the, the fact that browsers are now going to not look at cookies? Um, what's, I just want to get a kind of a general thought on this. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So we've been seeing this coming for a long time, even before GDPR, where, um, you know, there's concern about tracking users and tracking them around the web. The funny part is, like you said, it's only third-party cookies. So think about it, like Google's everywhere, Facebook's everywhere. Those are first-party cookies. So if you go to google.com, you do a search, you go to any Google properties, um, you know, you, you, you're seeing any AdSense ads, kind of, those are kind of, the way Google's handling it is well, those are first party cookies. So we track it, we know we're first party and we're able to still follow. So it's not really impacting um, like Google or Facebook. They're actually, I think, loving it because they're able to still get this data across the whole entire internet because they're all over the internet. Mm -hmm. um, so that's on the ad side. I mean, SEOs have always been in a space of, you know, search engines don't use do cookies. The, the SEOs are just not talking about it because if they're only doing organic search, their whole life was around Google. I mean, as, uh, making a web page that's not supported and not reliant on cookies or session IDs or any of these types of things because those were not something that Googlebot would actually initiate. Um, session IDs were bad for duplicate content URLs issues back in the early 2000s. People actually used those, mm -hmm. and then cookies were a way around that. And then um, again, Googlebot does not accept a cookie, so SEOs just don't care about that. And in the PPC world, or you're in the search ad word world, or if you're in um, any of the like display ad words, especially, um, that's more of a top concern around there. And I don't think um, Google has to worry about their Facebook because it's really first party cookies. I believe if you're an AdSense publisher and stuff like that, you have to give Google consent or something to kind of do first party cookies. 
for you to you know enable that. I believe I'm not so deep into the AdSense space, but I believe there's like a setting where you have to like check off and say you give Google the right to do first party cookies or something like that. Um, but I think SEOs are really you know built around not having to worry about cookies because that's built into their like blood, I guess. Okay. All right, cool. So I, I kind of a fun, tricky question here, but Google's future as a whole. So with all this DOJ stuff coming down, <laughs> there's a lot of discussion around whether the potential is for Google to be split up. Uh, do you think that would be good for innovation and likely bring another search engine into the space? Or do you think, you know, Google's, well, obviously Google's worked hard to get where it is. It is the best at this pace, at this point. I think it'd be great to have another search engine out there, but do you think that this might help if they do get broken up or are you? I, I don't, I mean, yeah. So it's early in the say they actually did file a lawsuit, like you said, um, yeah, yeah. what's uh -huh. going to happen is very, very much so in the air. I think there will be uh, significant changes. I just don't know what those changes will be. We'll be more on the Android side. We'll be more on the search side. Well, I don't, I don't really know. I know that when Google first launched, there were, I don't know what, 15 different search engines. Um, all competing. The big one was Alta Vista and so yeah, forth. The good days. And those are no longer around. So <laughs> could somebody come up even without the Department of Justice actually doing something? Yeah. What's interesting is that now, I mean, since 2014, I believe Google Apple was trying to like crawl the web. And now mm -hmm. I can get yesterday, the Financial Times had a report mm -hmm. that it's coming soon. Apple search is going to come out. So and Apple, obviously, as you know, has a huge share of mobile browser market share. So the question is, will Apple search with the regulations and timing around the regulations, if they're implemented around the same time that Apple goes live with their search engine, if they go live with their search engine, will that um, go ahead and help Apple and maybe Microsoft Bing um, capture some market share? It, it will be interesting. It would be very interesting to see what Apple comes out with in search. Mm -hmm. I just don't know. I know when Microsoft launched in 2004, their MSN search feature wasn't really good, but they had dominant share of the desktop markets, uh, market share with Internet Explorer. There was no mobile browser back then. It was just desktop and IE was the thing. Um, there was Firefox, but IE was really dominant back then, I believe. And I thought, oh, wow, MSN search is going to launch. They're going to make it default on all the browsers and Google's going to die. And they didn't, as you know. Um, Google then said, oh, we have a problem here. We need to fix it. We need to build our own browser. They built Chrome and then, oh, mobile's coming. We got to build our own device. They bought Android. Um, so they've been smart about it and they've been paying Apple billions of dollars every year to be the default search engine on Safari, on mobile Safari and so forth. So it will be interesting to see what happens if Apple decides, hey, you know what? Instead of paying billions of dollars every year to Google, let's invest that in ourselves, which they have done um, because they, you know, took over, they took, you know, the head of uh, search um, from, from Google, I think three years ago, uh, and they've been investing in things. So it would be interesting to see if between the Department of Justice and Apple search launching and Microsoft Bing being pretty good these days in terms of uh, relevance, relevancy and search quality, mm -hmm. will be interesting to see what changes would happen uh, between all those, all those different avenues. In five years, will Google still be the dominant player? I wouldn't go, I wouldn't put my money on saying they wouldn't be, I would, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that Google's going to lose much market share. I, I just, I'd be, I'd be shocked if they, they're always so far ahead of everybody. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens. Yeah. What, what is Google's market share these days? I don't think I've looked at that for a year or two. 
it depends on who you ask. Um, I mean, if you look at any of your clients, it's usually what, how much of an organic search is Google? What, 90 something percent, <laughs> right? Um, Microsoft says they have like 30% share in some markets. Um, so I'm not sure. It depends on who you ask and how you actually qualify that data. Yeah, I, I would love to see uh, from the Google side, a breakdown, <laughs> excuse me, of their, their market share based on where they get the traffic. Like how much, to, for example, that would be relevant to the conversation is how much of Apple's, um, the, the the money that they're paying Apple to to be the the primary search on Apple devices for, um, how much percentage is that of their overall percentage? Right? Does that make right. sense? Yeah, it would be interesting to see that. I know, like, um, I mean, there's different websites out there that track this stuff, so hmm. it's hard to say how how large it is. But I mean, Safari on mobile has a really it has like almost like a fifty percent, sixty percent. A browser market share, fifty-five percent, I think, is the last metric. Chrome on mobile is only thirty-five percent or so. So, yeah, um, I know for I know for our sites, and we we literally get millions and millions of visitors a day combined across all our sites. We're over sixty percent on mobile. Right. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't surprise me. And then AMP and stuff, yeah. and AMP's going away. We paid experience update. We'll see what happens. Lots, yeah. There's lots of different changes coming up in twenty twenty one that should make SEO and the whole industry still exciting, even though it's been, you know, people have been leaving the industry and Danny Sullivan went to Google and Matt Cotts yeah, went to the government. Weird. And... It's so weird. I still get weirded out by that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you, 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 you typically are now considered the new Danny Sullivan. So when are you moving to Bing? <laughs> Good question. I don't know. <laughs> um, and is Dwayne Forrester going to have issues with that? <laughs> so Dwayne Forrester is at Yelp now? Or Yext? Yeah, he's at Yelp. Yeah, you're right. Yext. Correct. Yext. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't so I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't I have no plans on I've always <laughs> said I'm going down with the SEO industry. As SEO is dead, I'm going down with it. So nice. <laughs> Aren't we all? All right. Uh, well, do you want to, is there anything you'd like to promote? Or are there any uh upcoming well, anything you'd like to tell us before the end of the show? I'm trying to become a YouTuber. So go to my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash rusty YouTube.com slash rusty brick. Hit subscribe, tell your friends to subscribe, uh, smash that like button, comment, what all the YouTubers say. Um, outside of that, yeah, no, um, I'm pretty active on Twitter at rusty brick. Um, check out the searching your roundtable, searching your land. Um, check out the XMX conferences. We're doing a virtual conference in December. Um, and if you're interested in being, if you're in New York area, New York tri-state area, and you want to be on my vlog where I interview in a socially distant way where we're standing about 10 feet apart and it's getting cold <laughs> outside now. So it might start snowing soon. So we could do it in the snow. It'll be fun. Nice. I can interview you. There's no cost. I just want to help people get their name out there, um, and talk to some interesting people in search and PPC and so forth. That's awesome, nice. man. Well, thank you again for all your hard work and keep up the keep keep the machine running man you're a machine there's no doubt about it thank you so much for having me yeah. well, oh, on behalf it's yeah. awesome yeah so on behalf of myself ross dunn ceo of step forth web marketing john carcutt the director of seo for advanced local and our special guest barry schwartz founder and editor of search engine roundtable thanks for joining us today if you have any questions you'd like to share with us please feel free to post them on our facebook group easily found by searching seo 101 podcast on facebook have a great week and remember to tune into future episodes, which are at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Monday on webmasterradio.fm. Thanks, Barry, and thanks everybody for listening.
The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.